0: everybody welcome to yet another psalm session uh, it is me miles and joining me over there in the psalm session virtual digital studio
1: my good buddy hey it's brent here i, I love being in a virtual studio that's kind of cool it
0: is a that's well that's how we always reference it now even in our little uh, write-ups yep. on the shows we're in the the psalm session virtual studio that's how yeah
1: like isn't the whole world kind of in
0: a virtual studio right <laughs> now that sums it up i mean we are yeah. now uh <laughs> fully entrenched in uh provincial lockdown number 2. Oi, oi, oi. Yeah. What what uh, I mean I don't even know where to get, where to start to get into provincial lockdown number 2 but you know what what have you been up to? How do you uh what what's Brent's secrets to the lockdown?
1: Uh you know, I think um this the secret to success or the secret sauce kind of like the Big Mac I think is honestly just you got to keep yourself busy. Um, and you know, this is going to sound like some crazy motivational speaker self health book, a book kind of a thing, but you got to just stay positive. You got to <laughs> smile, right? I mean, it's funny. What, what I, is there, uh, what is there left?
0: <laughs> I saw a thing, uh, you know, it was just some garbage meme that people were passing around, but it was like, if you come out of this pandemic and you have not learned some kind of skill, even in a basic level, you have not used your time well. And I, yeah, I mean no, I don't know. Yeah, like I don't know if i I would go that far, but I think that uh, you know, yeah, we've all got time now. We're we're home. I get, you know, a lot of us are still working and caring for families and all of this. But uh yeah, you know, I I've been trying to uh it's funny enough, like I've been playing guitar for like 20 years, but I've I've used this time to try to get better um because I've never been like a lead guitar player and I've always wanted to, but I it's uh, I I hate music theory, which is funny. I have a degree in music, but I hate music theory. So it's you know like scales and, and chord progressions and all that stuff. I hate it, but I'm trying to force myself to get better at it, and that's like my personal goal through the pandemic is to get better at guitar. And well, you, you know, you that, need to that, play guitar. A... You need to learn to play guitar.
1: Do you ever well, to that's, have that? Uh, that's a that's a great segue. You're you're famous for those segues and. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, um, you know, I, I too have been playing guitar for 20 years. Um, the problem with me is I've been playing the same three chords for 20 years. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, well, hey, in the 90s, you could have been a, a rock sensation. That's all you needed. Yeah,
1: le- legit. I, I'd, I'd have hits all over the place, no doubt. And that's no disrespect to the very successful artists of the 90s, <laughs> no, of course. No, absolutely but, not. Uh, no, I think um, I, I, I am uh, starting to recommit myself for reals this time to actually learn to to become even just mildly proficient and be able to just noodle around and yeah. strum, strum a handful of, you know, favorite little tunes. So, I, you know, I, I have, uh, I've gotten back to that. And, you know, the, the key first step to that is, is take the guitar out of the case, <laughs> right? Well, it's amazing and, uh, when you do, I see it now <laughs> and I'm, I pick it up, right? And in your case, uh, not
0: only take it out of the case, but uh, buy another one um cuz yeah. i yeah. happened to be talking to a little birdie who told me that perhaps uh the guy who doesn't play guitar just ordered uh, another very nice guitar
1: yeah, so. well, you know it's uh, <laughs> it, it's all about it's all about the ode to the mighty Edward Van Halen. It's been three sure. and a half minutes, so go ahead, tell us what you got. What, I know what's coming. I know, I know. Uh, what's coming is uh, actually um, uh, one of the EVH uh, stripe series, and it's the Bumblebee, the one with the the black and yellow stripe oh. pattern. And you know, I just figured um, it's it's a collector's item, it's a keepsake for me, and and maybe it'll be another. Little bit of motivation along the way. There you go. There you go. I I have this giant building
0: in the back of my property that I'm I'm attempting to convert into a music studio and a workshop. And you know the the big thing for me that I've I've started to do is blacksmithing, like working in the forge and hammering at metal. Uh, and I'm I so desperately want to get out there and finish this building, but it's it's time and money. It's time and money. And you know it isn't that the old thing time, money, and quality. And you can have two or something like yeah. that. Like it's yeah. That's how I'm feeling these days, that every time I want to do something, it's, you know, for being in a lockdown pandemic, um, it's like we're crazy on the go. It's just, you know, go, go,
1: go, go. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I, I think my best piece of advice uh, would, would be this. Here's my, my piece of advice for that is yeah. you know the old saying about how you eat an elephant right it's one bite at a time it's one bite and a uh, time. and that's what you got to do with your uh, with your studio you'll get you'll get, get there, there and I'll get there I'll and get when there. we can actually be there yeah um, maybe I'll learn some stuff and we can jam
0: there you go you missed my super clever segue there I tried to make it extremely obvious and but nope you did not you didn't pick up on that one we gotta we're always go 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 go. Now I get it. <laughs> well, folks, we are going to go, 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 go over to the phone and uh, say hello to today's guest. Now, this is is somebody who was in an iconic group, or I should say is in an iconic group. Uh, this was one of the first all-women bands to land a number one album on the, uh, the Billboard charts. Uh, she is a bass player. She is an author of the biography, All I Ever Wanted. Uh, and well, she had a summer tour booked uh, for both her her band and her book, unfortunately, COVID has stricken. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, from the Go-Go's, Kathy Valentine. Kathy, how are you?
2: I'm good. I'm just going to go, yay. Yay. You can. <laughs> yes. Yay.
0: We, uh, we like that. After that
2: great intro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's how we do. We like that enthusiasm. It is such a weird time right now, but uh, how... I always feel like I we have to ask everybody, like, how, how are you keeping? How are you doing?
2: Well, I mean, I feel incredibly fortunate. Um, number one, I, you know, I did lose my income for the year, but I had savings and I, you know, I've done okay. So yeah. I feel fortunate because so many people have, you know, not had that situation. Number two, I have been healthy and still has my, 84 year old mom. And so as my, you not know, all my loved ones have not gotten sick. So I feel, you know, health and, and having enough money to pay for your food and shelter. That's kind of what COVID makes you grateful for, right?
0: This is true. Those, that, that pretty much sums up the goals of living these days. I think we're all grateful to, you know, still be employed in some capacity and, and still, you know, it's, we keep saying this to all of our, our guests and they say it back to us that, this thing has not stopped the music and all of us still have ways of being creative and we can still make music, even if it's just for ourselves sitting in our our little rooms with a guitar, Uh, you know, and I know that's, what's kept me going is, is we just have to keep looking to the music is what I like to say.
2: (laughs) Yeah. There's been something about all these um, people just doing, you know, doing like little recordings, Instagram live and all these, that's just so intimate that I really, I don't think that's ever going to go away. I think people are are enjoying that. Of course, there's nothing like being at a concert or in a a club, you know, and everyone misses that. But I don't think the other thing is going to go away. I think there's, and as far as as not stopping the music, you're absolutely right. Like, I've, I've thought about this a lot. You know, anytime you're a writer or an artist or a musician or any kind of artist, you know, a filmmaker, whatever it is, the, the big challenge is how do I get an audience? How do I get people mm-hmm. to pay attention? How do I get people to listen to me or read me or look at what I've created? And that's, that's kind of always the problem when you go into the creative, any creative field. And I feel like um, with COVID and with the pandemic, it's, it's just been, okay, more of the same. All right, I'm a musician. I'm missing that. I put a book out. How do I find my audience? Yeah. You know, it's just kind of turning up that challenge again. And I have also been making videos, like learning how to do video nice. editing so that when I record a song, it's not just like, oh, here's my song on Bandcamp or whatever. You yeah. know, I can also try to get an audience by making video and putting it on YouTube or linking to it or whatever. And that, so anyway, yeah.
0: No, I love that. And <laughs> it's so true. Like this pandemic has, has forced, all of us to adapt and to you know we keep saying this about the uh, the Sound of Music Festival in Burlington that it it forced a level of innovation that I know we wanted to get to but I don't think we would have naturally arrived at that on our own had we not have been given that little kind of push off the edge and you know now here we are embracing these new technologies and embracing these new ways of of delivering our content and I I think that that is. You know, if we had to find any silver lining in what's going on, that's kind of it—that we've found new ways.
1: Yeah, you know, I, it's I, in, it's interesting. Uh, y- y- we we have been sort of forced that way. And Kathy, you know, y- your book is is a great example. We we find different different mediums and different ways. And you know, I, after reading the book, uh, I, I want to say, incredibly captivating read. Congratulations! Mm-hmm. It, it was. I, I was searching for some words this morning, and I want to say I found it unforgiving, raw, you know, a very exposed look at a different childhood, a, a different upbringing, and, and a huge rise to fame. So um, firstly, congratulations on the book. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about was clubs like the Whiskey, the Starwood, very famous Sunset uh, Strip clubs back in the, in the days. Uh, so many bands got their start there. What was it like to be a part of that scene and, and be on the strip and playing in these clubs and and seeing live music in these, in these places back then?
2: Well, it was such a scene. I mean, it, and it was, it was like, I mean, if you played, if you were in the band, you know, and in, in a band that played the clubs, it was, it was so much like a scene like you might walk up and you would know the door guy and they would like just let you in. So even if you were just kind of struggling to make it, you could still feel a little bit special, you know, like you were part of something. And I remember that feeling. I remember feeling like, okay, you know, I'm somebody. I, I can walk up to this club, and, and I know the guy, and they'll let me in. And and it's a nice feeling when you're struggling and you're new and, and trying to just get somewhere with your band, sometimes those little perks. You know, kind of keep you going and making you feel like you're a part of something. And the music scene was incredible. I mean, I really enjoyed when I wrote this book, one of the biggest uh, pleasures of it was really going back and and remembering, not just and this happened, and then this happened, oh, and it it looked like that. And, you know, I really tried to suck the reader into being right Mm. there. I, I tried to evoke, you know, not only the feelings, but what it what what it really was like so that the reader almost feels like they're there at the same time. And that helped me uh, get a chance to appreciate and and not just remember, but kind of relive so much of it, the good and the bad. But the, the joy of remembering that scene was just, it was incredible. There was so many, such a spectrum of bands and it was so inclusive. I mean, you didn't have to look like a punk rocker to go see a punk band. And you didn't have to look like, you know, a rockabilly to go. You could just be, if you were there digging the same music, you were part of it.
0: That's cool. That's very cool. And let, let's talk about those early days. So, you know, the Go-Go's, uh, you were pioneers in what you were doing, you know? And it's funny, I had to chuckle as we were getting ready for this. Uh, I read, I, I'm not sure who wrote it, but I I read somewhere that somebody compared the Go-Go's of the 80s to the Spice Girls. And I went, no, no, no. Like, it. it oh that, God, I know. yeah, like I was, <laughs> I was, like, I wanted to find out who wrote this and like write to them. Like, no, you're wrong. The The Go-Go's, I, you I were musicians. i like,
2: meet somebody, yeah.
0: Yeah. Go ahead. No, just, the, the, the Go-Go's, oh. you, you were musicians and uh, not just, you know, a singer or an artist with a band that no one's ever heard of. Or, you know, session musicians, like you were musicians, and you were one of, if not the first, to truly break out and do this. And you created, you pioneered uh, you know, that female rock movement. So I guess my question is, like, A, at the time, what made the four of you want to, to kind of break the mold and say, no, this is what we are going to do? And did you think for a second that what you were creating? was going to live on as strongly as it has over the last 30 years.
2: Well, you know, each of our stories are a little different. Um, Gina and I had been musicians for some years before we joined the Go-Go's, and we had something in common in that we had both left our hometowns and our families and our security, basically, to move to the big city of L.A. and make it in the music business and to find a band and be in a band that that could kind of fulfill our dreams. So we, we had this concurrent thing happening, her going from Baltimore, Maryland, me going from Austin, Texas. So when we found the go-go's, it really was like, aha, this is what we can, you know, and I, I, I'll just speak for me. When I got there, when I met them, when I learned their songs, when I was asked to join, I was, it was just, yes. This is what I came here for. This yeah. is a band that can do it. So I had an awareness. Now for the other members, Charlotte, Jane, and Belinda, they started the band a couple of years before, and they just did it on a lark. And it was, you know, pretty much their first band. I think Charlotte had been in one band, and so I think they were just like it was. They were came out of the the streets of L.A. the punk rock scene with this. And, you know, this ethos of, of, like, we can do this. All of our friends are starting bands. What makes, you know, why can't we do it if everyone we know is doing it? And nobody was like, ha-ha, no, you can't. You've never <laughs> played your guitar. So you can see that we came from different kind of backgrounds. But once we found each other and once the chemistry was complete, uh, when Gina joined, I saw the band when I first moved to L.A. And I thought, oh, they're cute. They're 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 beginners. They got a ways to go. Yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> I thought I was like some. The they were not the band I was looking for. You know, <laughs> I was I in my eyes, I was, you know, further along. And I saw them a year later, and they had gotten Gina Shock on the drums. They had done probably hundreds of shows, including going to England and doing a tour. Uh, with madness and the specials, yeah. and when I saw them the next time, I I was like, oh, okay, this is a different story. And it was just a fluke that I got asked to fill in on a couple, on a four eight shows actually, eight shows over four nights. And I I figured out really quickly that this band encompassed what I had been looking for from the minute I decided I wanted to pursue music. <laughs>
1: Let's, uh, let's talk about uh, Beauty and the Beat. Um, spent uh, some time at number one on the charts. I, I think I read it was actually the number two uh, album on the Billboard Top 100 for all of 1981. Um, what was it like for you and the band to have that level of commercial success for a debut record? And did that set an expectation that added more pressure or more motivation to, to do what you did?
2: It was it was terribly exciting, hmm. but I have to say I had felt successful from the minute I found that band. To me, to be 22 years old, to find a band of like-minded people my age that have the same dreams and motivation and passion, and they already have an audience. I mean, people in L.A. love the Go-Go's. And we could sell out a club like that. So as soon as I found them and had that, oh, and plus the band, nobody had day jobs w- when I joined. We yeah. all had our, we we made enough money, our rent was paid, and we got forty dollars a week. So in my mind, I had arrived, and it never got better than that. I thought, okay, this is it, and then it just kind of went on to one thing after the next, it was like, oh, now we have a record deal. Oh my God. Now we get to make a record in New York city. Um, now we get to go on tour. It was just all these things. So when it got to number one, absolutely. It was just a thrill that I had not imagined. And yet it was part of a, a trajectory that just seemed to kind of build one step, one ladder one ladder rung at a time. Like each thing, you just kind of went up again. Oh my God, look what's happening now. So it was a wonderful thing, but the next part of your question, yes, it was um, a, a huge crusher. We felt we felt like a failure on the next two records. We felt like we had failed. I mean, when we by the time we got to our third album, which ended up a few months after being out, selling 500,000, which by most standards, that's a good thing for a young indie band, but for us it felt like a failure same with the vacation album it sold less and we felt like we had failed so and it's just a shame it couldn't build more like our record company IRS they were a small indie label and their plan was to break us over three albums you know huh. like the first one would do this well and the next one would do a little better and looking back that might have been that might have been a, a a better way for things to have unfolded. Maybe it wouldn't have been too much too soon sort of
0: thing. Yeah. And I I want to talk about that because your book, uh, you know, you delve pretty deep into the, uh, the good old realm of sex and drugs and rock and roll. Was it hard for you to share the darker side of your journey? And, and what advice would you have for young musicians who, you know, they are seeking the life of the rock star?
2: Yeah, I think that um it it wasn't hard to share because as far as the go-gos go <laughs> it was um fairly well documented in fact it, for a number of years that became seemed to be the thing that people thought most about not what we accomplished not what we uh managed to do not what our but more like oh they imploded because of egos and sex and or, and uh, drugs and and drinking and Money that, and it seemed like that myth, that myth and that part of the story overshadowed the joy and the, the amazing good things. So I wasn't uncomfortable writing about that stuff in the band, but for my own context, like I wanted, I wanted my readers to number one, this wasn't just a music. It was a very much a music book, but it wasn't just about the Go Go's. It's about it's a coming of age literary yeah. memoir and. The stuff I write about before and after the band, for me, were incredibly personal and really difficult, and that, that, though, is the stuff that most people identify with. You know, not everyone can identify with having a number one record, but most people have experienced uh, abandonment, betrayal, loss, uh, achieving something you wanted more than anything and then losing it and lost and questioning your identity and wondering if you'll ever succeed or get what you want. You know, there's, that's the stuff that, that was harder to write about, but that I knew I had to write about because that's, that's where the real, to me, uh, connection was going to be.
1: Yeah. love that. Yeah, it's it, it's really telling the the story of of your 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 journey and and very personal as as you say. I wanted to ask you on that note about um, living in Texas. So obviously some time in California during the the height and and rise of the the band and obviously extensive touring around the world. Um, but other than that, Texas really I think has been home for you for a very long time so what's kept you there at this stage of your life and uh, is there any desire to, to be anywhere else why, why is that home for you?
2: Oh I like that question um I well I was born and raised here and you know Texans have a weird kind of regional pride that I <laughs> seem to have just caught as well I've always been proud that I was from Texas I think Austin in particular with this amazing music scene that I got to be a part of growing up and all the, all the bands I saw. And I think it really formed me as a musician and, and formed me in a way that I'm very proud of. I, a lot of people don't realize that I started out as a guitar player and I'm a really good guitar player. My, my, what I'm known for is playing bass in the Go-Go's, but it's really not, the best thing I do so yeah. it's an irony of my career <laughs> but I attribute almost all of my my musical kind of taste and, and shops and judgment and style and it served me as a bass player in the go-go just due to being raised in Austin so I love all that at the same time I spent 27 years in LA where I achieved my dreams I these are the people I went to the clubs with and hung out with in my 20s and my thirties and part of my forties and those are those kind of friendships I think we all know are you know they, they go deep those bonds they go really deep and I only moved back to Texas to raise my daughter because I thought it would be an easier place in terms of schooling and stuff and so our family moved here in 2006 and I've now been back uh since then and i i i'm okay here i'd like to live other places my daughter's going to college next year and i can't say for sure that i'm going to stay in austin i don't know i'm i would love to experience what it's like to live other places and my mom's english and i have a lot of family in england so i've i've thought about it's kind of uprooting and checking it out some other places
0: awesome we uh we welcome you up to canada if you'd like to come and join us up here kathy you're you're more than welcome we will accept you with hey, open arms I have,
2: spent, <laughs> I have spent uh quite a bit of time looking at houses and stuff in canada and you know well, not to get too political but depending how things, <laughs> uh how things kind of if the things don't write themselves and improve you know i just uh, y'all just got so much more rights in this country, Dad. Sure. And it's, you know.
0: Yeah, and then, I mean. It's
2: not
0: optimal. And it's true, yeah. And, and this isn't a political show, so we will stay, steer clear, but I will say that, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, especially right now with pandemics and elections and everything going on, The the I can't even just say America, but just the world is so charged right now it's just it's everything is electric and everyone's getting more and more on yes. edge and you know it's I, I I I know we're not really allowed to say it because it's it's almost an ignorant thing to say but I think we're all just excited for life to get back to normal like let's find yeah. normal again like that's that's what we all want yeah. right it's uh the,
2: normal that's better but you know it's like my daughter was saying today like Mom, when did education become a bad thing? When yeah. did people start, start like, thinking it was, like, subversive to want to be educated? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's very strange, because for me, I'm a lifelong student. I'm actually graduating. One of the things I've done this year is go back to school, and I realized I was three college classes away from getting my very first degree. So yeah. I was graduating college, in the spring and I'm looking at going to grad school because for me learning it makes me a more interesting writer, makes me a more interesting person, a better songwriter, a better conversationalist. I love learning. And you know, I don't want to be that old person that can't figure out you know, what, what's going on, like how to use my phone or anything, you know, I, that's not what who I want to be.
0: That's, uh, <laughs> that's quickly becoming Brent. I'm sorry to say, Brent, that's, that's, you know, our technology times as, as, as we we're saying forced innovation, right? Where Brent and I used to do these shows together in the same room and now we're digital and everything's, it's just odd, but yeah, normal, normal would be great. But Kathy, look, you you touched on this. And this is something I really want to dig into. You mentioned your book, uh, and it, it's true. Brent and I have both read it. And it, it's not just, uh, you know, the biography of the Go-Go's. By any stretch, you know, this book touches on so much of your history. Uh, and, and you referred to it there as a coming-of-age story, and I loved that. But expanding on that, when you wrote it, who were you genuinely hoping would read it? Was it for the fans? Was it for aspiring artists? Was it for you? Who was this book for? And and what made you want to capture your journey in this style?
2: Um again, that's a really good question. I I wanted to be accepted as a writer. I wanted people to read this book and go, damn, she can write. Uh-huh. I would like to read something else she's written. That was, to me, the book was a foundation to open the door for me being a writer. And it seemed like a great place to start to tell the story that I think is a compelling story. Uh, some of my favorite books are, are memoirs, Mary Carr, The Liars Club, Cheryl Strayed, Wild, Tara Westover, Educated, uh, Patty Smith, Just Kids, There's just so many great memoirs. So my audience, I was hoping, I knew that people that like the Go-Go's might be interested, but I really wanted to go beyond that because I, I felt like the story goes so much beyond that. And I think anybody that enjoys memoirs is going to find everything that they would want to find in a memoir, which is generally, you know, a person starting out one way, ending up very changed, uh, in between a lot of peaks and valleys and obstacles and horrific darkness and, and wonderful, um, glorious kind of overcoming of obstacles. So that was, that was what I was hoping my audience would be. And um, I knew that it had to be a very well-written book for me to build this foundation of being accepted as a writer. And I also knew it had to be very honest. And vulnerable and uh, believable. Like, I I needed people to read it and go, This is a voice that I understand, that I care about. I care because either I like the, the voice or because I identify strongly. And I've gotten so much, so many messages from people that said different parts of the story that was not the Go Go's part. You know, this book goes from it's the 70s and the 80s. It goes from 1970 to 1990. So anybody that wants the whole story of the Go Go's, they'll have to wait for another book because that's not the <laughs> book I wanted to write.
1: Yeah, uh, Kathy, I, I wanted to ask you about uh, this the songwriting and as it relates to how you um, wrote some stories in in the book. Um, for me, when I'm 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 reading a story, I'm reading uh, a book. I really love uh, finding and looking for those kind of, you know, goosebump chills moments. And there was uh, a little story in the book that you, you wrote about uh, penning uh, the line from one of the lines from the song vacation. uh, Now that I'm away, I wish I'd stayed. And I think you said it was when you were returning to LA from a trip home to Austin. I know as well in the book, there was a lot of um, ebbing and flowing of songwriting credits and, you know, how that translated to, uh, how you were you were each paid as band members, um, and so my question is: How much of your songwriting has been organic versus deliberately looking for a line or a riff or some sort of a, a hook?
2: Um, almost all of my songwriting, almost to a fault, comes from a personal place. Like I, I often wished I had tried to or become one of the, song, the songwriters that just tries to write for other artists. And um, like even when I'm writing a song for the Go-Go's uh, after after vacation, because I wrote that before the Go-Go's, I, I would think of Belinda and as her friend and as someone that knew her well, I would try to write from her point of view. So I've never been... You know, one to write. Other than it has to, I just spend a lot of time caring about the lyrics and the intent, and I put a lot of effort and energy into writing a song. And um, I, I think that it's always coming from a, from a very organic place. And I've learned over the years to trust that I I'm a good songwriter. I mean, I think I was insecure about it when I joined the Go Go's, especially because I joined a band that had uh, written already an amazing collection of songs. Jane and Charlotte, before I was in the band, had written We Got the Deed, Our Lips Are Sealed, How Much More, This Town, amazing songs. So I think was I was a little intimidated as a songwriter, and I remembered specifically feeling like maybe Can't Stop the World didn't hold up. You know, that was my song on the first album. And it was only years, years later when... Over, over and over, I would hear from fans that, oh, that's one of my favorite songs, that I started, you know, kind of going, okay, it does, it holds up, it belongs on the album. I was insecure about Vacation. I, I felt like it, my song that I brought to the band wasn't good enough, and I better get Jane and Charlotte to work on it with me. I was so insecure about my writing, hmm. and luckily, with my sobriety and in my 30s, I started actually when I first started making my own music and I've never wanted to be a solo artist. I still don't. That's never been my deal was always, I want to be in a band. I want to be in a band. I want to be Keith Richards. What if I Mick Jagger, you know? <laughs> and, uh, so it was actually my thirties when I did my first solo album that I was like, Oh, okay. Like when I had no constraints and no, no, not feeling any pressure to deliver or to be as good as anyone. That was the first time I started going all right. I now I know I'm a really good writer. And it's cool as an artist it's like you have to get to a place where you're the one that decides that because if you're always waiting for validation or success to 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 the outside validation or success to make you think that then you're you're never going to really believe it but it's a wonderful thing as a writer or any kind of artist to get to a place where you know you're good. And you know, when you've done something good and that that's enough, it's a, it's an, I would almost say it's an essential place to get, cause, you know, success is fleeting and it's rare.
0: Yeah. though well, this is true. And, and Kathy, you kind of touched on this, but something that I thought was really cool about your book is that in tandem with it, you released a soundtrack to your book. Uh, and I, I'm curious what fueled you to want to make that decision to do this kind of cross media, cross platform endeavor.
2: Well, I thought it was genius. <laughs> I, thought it was a,
0: I appreciated it. was a brilliant <laughs> idea.
2: I thought that, I thought, why does not every single, I mean, so many musicians have written memoirs and, and any one of them could have done the same thing. So I was like, why has nobody hardly done this? And I, I was excited because it gave me so much material to work with, raw material. I was excited because my book, touched on so many personal and deep themes that I thought I could easily move into some kind of song format. Um, And I was excited because I really missed making music. I focused on my book for years. I mean, it took me three years to write that book with a big, lots of big gaps where I wouldn't write at all, either because I was paralyzed or stuck. And the biggest one was because my dad I became close with and he was dying, which would be a great story for my second memoir. <laughs> I will write one. Day. But um I I uh by the time I got to the end of the book, I was really missed making music. I have a little uh studio, which I just I love doing. I mean I'm 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 good. I can I can program beats, I can sit down in a drum kit and play a basic thing, I can I can piece together a keyboard. I can sit there and create all kinds of stuff and I really love it it's a way to not think and my brain stops you know mm-hmm. monkey brain chattering away all the time and i just love it so i had the best time making the soundtrack i it was a very creative i spent about 7 months on it after the book was finished and I thought it would get a lot more notice and attention (laughs) not because it was like the best music ever made but because it was such an innovative idea and because it translated in such a creative way, the the prose. but I think it's just hard to promote two things at once, you know what I mean? Like when you send your book for a review and then you want them to pay attention to the music too so you start diluting things so I'm I'm always really grateful when somebody brings it up. So thank you for noticing it.
0: Yeah, I, I thought it was great. And it's, it's again, you know, we talk about that innovation and that's exactly how I described it. And, uh, you know, it was funny. I was reading your book, I was in bed and my wife was next to me and she's reading her bed. And and every now and then I would audibly just go, whoa. And she's like, what? And I'm like, <laughs> I have to, I'm going to read you this. And I would read a, a passage and she would just look at me and go, whoa. And then I would go (laughs) after each chapter and I would listen to the track that you put down and like they, it is simpatico, like they go together so incredibly well. And, you know, for me, I'm a lifelong musician and music, you know, I I always say everybody should have some form of music in their life. And uh, I think you captured life through those tracks. And Conveyed exactly what your words were trying to say in that music, and uh, you know I certainly appreciated that you did it. And to echo Brent's sentiments from early on is, is, congratulations! Like it is, it is a home run, and it's uh, yeah. The the, the musical side was cool.
2: You can imagine, you can imagine how fun it was because for the first time, I'm not trying. It's like it could be anything. I, I mean, there's like long go-go it's like really kind of swingy jazz i'm like where the heck did that come from but i did it you know i could only do it for like 40 seconds yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <It's so
2: good. laughs> and uh and like you know when i did the, the one that goes with the chapter with uh just do it which is very personal and dark about a rape and when i wrote that song i was sobbing. I mean, I saw yeah. it, it just opened the key even deeper than writing about it. I, for three days I grieved and mourned as a 14 year old me that was in that situation where I was, you know, abused and raped. Yeah. And There was something about the melody and the music and doing it lyrically that tapped in in a, a, the deepest way and, and opened up a, something that I had not really kind of i'd kind of put it in a box and just like hmm. okay we're just going to move on past this this is not fun to think about certainly not fun to feel so let's just move on 40 years later i write about it and i'm like whoa and then i write the song to go with it and i fall apart yeah days. so hmm. it's just a cool interesting thing how music can tap into our feelings i mean that's one of the magical things and one of the things I loved writing about so much in my book was music because, you know, music is just as meaningful to women musicians as it is to men. Mm -hmm. And yet you don't always hear, you don't read this. You read about, oh, this, this fierce woman of rock and roll or this, but you don't really know. You don't read so much about what music inspired or, motivated us as as women musicians or how it shaved us or soothed us or i don't know i just felt like it was important to make those connections
1: that's cool i I think it's uh fair to say that you know the the crazy year that 2020 has been one of the things that we're all missing the most is uh the opportunity to experience live music to experience uh, a show you know that's been absent in everyone's life this year um a lot of artists that you you referenced in the book that you had toured with and and played with uh, opening for bands like the police the rolling stones david bowie uh you know listening to led zeppelin as a as a teenager um what kind of music do you listen to today kathy and and how does it make you feel how does it move you well
2: it's interesting i I have gone through these periods sometimes where I get kind of turned on to something that's been around that everybody else got like almost all through the nineties, I discovered jazz and while everybody else was like loving all the nineties and the grunge and Nirvana and everybody, I was freaking out over Coltrane and Monk and Miles Davis. Like Mm -hmm. I was just like freaking out and, I'm having a similar thing happen now, but with hip hop, I feel like I'm catching up on like 40 years of hip hop. And I just really liking that my daughter has turned me on to stuff. I, I date a guy who's got an incredible vast knowledge of all music and he's turned me on to stuff, everything from, you know, from current stuff, like whether it's Tyler, the creator or chance, the rapper, or, you know, more. Soulful, frank ocean all the way back to slick rick and all that stuff so i've been really enjoying that but having said that i really am very song oriented you know i i like i like uh, if i discover a song that i like i'll i don't make playlists and all that i just kind of you know enjoy find, discovering a song and uh I, I find new bands here and there, but I, I'm blanking out. Of course, I'm totally blanking out. <laughs> I've been talking about the Beaches from from Toronto. Oh, yeah. They're, oh, yeah. A, they're a female band that I, I love them because they, I think they're really good. And I think that they, they're just, they remind me of what I felt like at that. They seem yeah. like they're just having a great time and they're doing it really well and I don't know. They they remind me of my youth when I was in a band, and I like that.
0: Yeah, they're they're like the Spice Girls of our age. No, I'm I'm kidding. Of course, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <We>, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, no. To like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> we know the beaches very well, uh, being that Toronto is is just down the road. Um, look, we we have been talking to Kathy Valentine, uh, author, musician, solo artist, of course, bass player of the Go Go's. Um, her new book. I mean, it it, uh, it came out. Was it was it March or April, Kathy? It was it was not that long ago.
2: It came out. It came out. Um, like March thirty first. Yeah, and I had I had a twenty three city tour. I was going to talk to Kathleen Hanna in L A. and uh, Tanya Donnelly in Boston, wow. and and Powers, the music critic in Nashville. I had such great conversationalists (laughs) lined up I've gotten to do some of them virtually but I was going to do songs from the soundtrack yeah not just go up there and like read a chapter I think that's so boring I (laughs) I can't stand being read to so I wasn't going to do that even if other people like it I just because I don't like it I can't do it sure Like if somebody says let me read you this I'm like no no give it to me let me read it and so um so I was gonna more like just talk about the stuff and have a, a dialogue and it it really sucked having to cancel that. But you know what? Maybe maybe I'll get to do that when the pandemic's gone. Not so focused on the book but but more just like doing appearances where I do music and speaking and dialogue and You know, I feel like I've got a really strong, positive message, and I'm pretty good at it. The little bit I've done, I've done some public speaking and keynote speeches, Mm -hmm. and as you can hear, I'm kind of a blabbermouth. I don't have any problems (laughs) stringing sentences together and going on and on. And I can kind of tell when people are bored, so I'll shut up. So I've got some awareness. Well, uh,
0: Brent and I have both read your book. And uh, so, you know, Kathy's Kathy's book, All I Ever Wanted, a rock and roll memoir. It's available everywhere you could possibly look for a book. Um, It's available digitally. It's in in print. Uh, I, I, I would highly, highly advise you read this book after each chapter, you know, click open Spotify or jump onto Apple Music and listen to the track that goes along with it. For me, it brought so much more to the experience. And, uh, you know, Kathy, I, I, we, we thank you thoroughly for being on our show today, sharing these stories in your book, sharing your stories with us today. We said we were going to take 20 minutes. We actually took double that. I apologize, but uh, I just found everything you were saying so interesting. I didn't want to let you go. So thank you. Thank you for that's your okay, time.
2: Can I add one more thing? Of course you one can. One more thing. Yes. If, you're, if your people, if anybody that's listening is interested, I've gotten great feedback about the audio book too. Oh, as, cool. uh, I read myself and the music is integrated in it. Like, so as you're listening and I've had a lot of people that have read it and gotten the audio book and love both experiences. So I just like to mention that as well. That's
0: cool. And that's, you know, I was going to say that's perfect for when you're doing the commute to work, but not a lot of people are doing that anymore. But uh, that's cool. <laughs> I didn't know that yeah. that, was, uh, that, that was available. Yeah. Good for you. Nice. Cool. Okay. Yeah.
2: Well, thank you so much. I enjoyed talking to you both.
0: Likewise, Kathy. Thank you so much and uh, all the best. Good luck to you in 2021. Hopefully that that, uh, you know, the world goes back to normal and that tour of yours takes you right around to the Burlington Sound of Music Festival because that would be amazing.
2: Yeah, hopefully, hopefully our paths will cross again. Thank yes,
1: you. indeed. You take care. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much, Kathy.
2: Sure. Bye.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Kathy Valentine, author, uh, bass player, guitar player. Yeah. Wow. What a what a dynamic woman. That was cool. That was cool.
1: Yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. This this was one again that, uh, you know, uh, in, in full confession mode, I was actually a little bit nervous leading up to <laughs> this because, you know, uh, so, some of these artists that we get to talk to have literally traveled the world, toured the world, played with... You know, some of the greatest musicians in the world um and what i I thought was was really awesome was you know, despite all of her success, all of her ups and downs um she she's a person, yeah, and she was super interesting,
0: yeah, yeah, i know i I know we say this like almost every time, but you know I love doing this show and hearing these stories from these people, and it's just it's just great, um yeah, I found her thoroughly interesting, and i I stand by what I said, you know crack open that, uh, the playlist that goes along with the book and take a listen. Cause it, it's, uh, you know, I don't even know what to say about music. When, when a picture is worth a thousand words, like what's a song worth? It's, it does. It makes you feel exactly what she was trying to convey. And, uh, yeah, I,
1: I thought it was a pretty, it's wor- pretty it's, cool. It's worth a thousand listens.
0: There oh, you there you are. There you are. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, this has been another Psalm Session. We have some great guests lined up for you. Uh, I, I can say we've got uh, we've got grandson who's going to be on. He, of course, played the 2019 festival. Uh, also from the 2019 festival, Terry Clark is going to join us in the Psalm Session virtual studio. Looking forward to chatting with Terry uh, and, and just a slew of other amazing guests. So please continue to listen share it. Tell your friends uh, you know, and, and send us some messages. We love to hear from our listeners. Uh, that's it. Wishing you such a a safe, happy, prosperous new year. Thank you for listening. Uh, be well out there. Brent, any
1: last words? No, you, you summed it up really well. I think we've got some, some great guests in the early part of the year and, you know, turning over the calendar to, uh, to 2021, let's onward and upward and, uh, and, and just listen to some great music. Cheers
0: to that. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening. Be well.